This is Link to the Cast, episode 147, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. Available everywhere good podcasts are sold, like Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many, many more. I am your party host, I am the platforming prodigy, I am Mark Robinson, and you can follow me online on Twitter, at Lithium Project. I don't have with me Dave Ryan, but I do have with me the Roman Reigns of audio, the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? I am very well, thank you, sir. I am peachy. Peachy. Are you peachy. a full-on peach? Um, you know, I'm sometimes I'm a bit of a bruised peach, but I just had some delicious ice cream, so today I feel extremely ripe and ready to talk about the video games. I had porridge ten minutes ago, and I feel like maybe in about half an hour the energy will get into my system, and... I'll be raring to go, but until then, I'm going to remain dormant and let it just kind of. I'm going to be warm on the inside <laughs> and cold on the exterior. Shiny, cold exterior, like an android boy. What uh, what's what's been your week like? Tell me about your week. <laughs> Not bad, thanks, mate. This week, uh, yep, yeah, little trip down to Swansea to visit some friends. Can confirm, lovely piece of coastline around Swansea. Uh, Went and saw the musical artist that is Jamie Lemon on Sunday. Very good. Highly recommended for anybody that likes everything from like jazz and acoustic folk to ridiculously heavy metal. Uh, and yeah, not other than that, pretty good. Play a little bit of Mario Maker here, there. We can talk about later. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 about me, my friend. How about you? Did you see the Ballad of Joe Spider-Man? 2? I did see the Ballad of Joe Spider-Man Two, and uh, we. Did we talk about it much last week? I know it was brought up, but I think we, we kind said of... like nothing because you hadn't seen it. Yeah, we kind of skimmed around it because I hadn't seen it yet. So I guess we can do a little bit more of a, oh, a chat about it. Are we going to do a little spoiler alert? Just we'll do a case. little spoiler alert. So we're okay. at, we're about two minutes forty. So yeah, I'll put a little spoiler alert for, out for that. Um, so yeah, spoiler Tony, alert, guys. Tony Stark comes back. I mean, what the fuck? I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I know, back from the dead, yeah. the reanimated corpse of Robert Downey Jr. Um, yeah, I, I mean, okay, Far From Home, Spider-Man, uh, I think it's great. I think that uh, it, it follows on, you know, it's the first kind of big film after, uh, you know, the first, are we, are we calling this Phase 4? I guess we'll call this Phase 4 for the time. But time We're calling it Phase 4, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, it kind of ties up a couple of loose ends from Endgame, and I think that... Uh, Tom Holland is, you know, depending on who are going to be kind of the core people going forward, I think that Tom Holland and Spider-Man are going to be just excellent going forward. Uh, I think Tom Holland is... I'm officially declaring him the best Spider-Man out of the, you know, the three of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Uh, I think Tom just... He has the part down so well. And I keep forgetting, I always keep forgetting that the fuck is from England because he's... uh, His Queen's accent is is spot on. Um... I it think, is really good. I haven't really noticed much break in it either. No, nah, I've never, never spotted anything with it. And uh, it just, it kind of throws me off when I remind myself. Uh, I think that Jake Gyllenhaal does a great job as Mysterio. Now, I want actually to talk to you because you are out the two of us. You know more about kind of comics in general than I do. And I asked this on Twitter and unfortunately I got no response back. But there you go. Um, Mysterio in Far From Home. Is his character in this a kind of more contemporary modern take on like the character and the powers of Mysterio or is that kind of like him in comic book form brought to life 
Yeah, so it's definitely more of a modern take on what has always been the core mechanic of uh, of Mysterio, which is that Quentin Beck, uh, who is Mysterio, is a bullshit artist. Uh, he's like the master of the mystic arts without actually being, you know, a superhero, really. He's always kind of... He's always kind of smoke and mirrors in what he does, and uh, he he's a, a pathological liar. Uh, so yeah, that that's kind of him in the comic books. And I thought what they did with having Jake Gyllenhaal be kind of jilted by by Tony Stark that his creation that he'd spent so much time on was <laughs> referred to as Bath was was quite amusing, like as a reason for him to be pissed off. And then the whole of his sort of collective of like, because it's not just Mysterio, is it? It's kind of like Team Mysterio. Like Jake Gyllenhaal is like the the sort of head and shoulders of Mysterio, and then you've got like the rest of the team around him kind of working the various bits and pieces of it, uh, creating the illusions and all of that. And I thought that was a really interesting idea. And it's going to be, it's the second or third time they've they've done that now, where somebody has kind of called Tony Stark out on his shit. So like Iron Man three, the guy that was in that, uh, the the bad guy in that was just pissed off because he was jilted by Tony Stark, and there have been many other, <laughs> many other things like An- Anton Vanko in Iron Man two was pissed off by Tony Stark's dad. So like it's it's interesting to see that like despite all of the good that Iron Man does or that Tony Stark does all the way through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you've always got this underlying thing of he is a bit of a dickhead as well. <laughs> we all love him, but yeah. So it's cool that even like he's he's gone now, but there's still people that are so pissed off with him that they're, they're trying to sort of get back at him in a way through that, their own success. And I thought that was a really interesting idea for a, a villain actually like it's not someone that's all powerful it's not somebody that is <laughs> sort of in any way like backed with any kind of real like financial clout or anything like that it's just somebody that's really clever that's just trying to twist reality to sort of their own version of offense and I've, that's a sort of take on a villain that we necessarily haven't seen in the marvel universe so far would you say yeah and the thing that impressed me is it's very difficult like when you do something like endgame how do you follow up with that you know you pretty much have the the culmination of uh 10 11 years of uh, was it 22 films or so of you know this kind of ongoing storyline that involves half of the fucking universe being wiped out and how do you come like how do you scale down from that and and go back to just like here's just one superhero and they're kind of isolated story and to be honest spider-man is kind of the perfect character for that and for uh, spider-man and peter parker at this point because he doesn't really want to be a superhero to the degree of you know being an avenger he wants to be a friendly neighbor to spider-man he wants to go and tell mj that he likes her you know he's a kid effectively and so i think that they did an incredible job of, of scaling things back down to that degree and you know, having uh, an enemy that is a kind of a credible threat, but isn't someone that is going to have to, you know, call on everyone that there is. Although I like the scene where um, uh, Peter Parker's asking, like, okay, where's Thor and where's Doctor Strange? And the thing that I can't actually, I haven't quite figured out yet was, so 
like at the end, there's the twist that um, Nick Fury uh, isn't actually Nick Fury. He is the the race from um, uh, Captain Marvel that I can't remember. Scroll. The scroll. He was a That's scroll. it. Yeah. yeah. But what I couldn't figure out was like, okay, so obviously that was a test for Peter Parker, but was the whole thing with Mysterio then uh, a test or was it like just that got out of hand? And I think that's what happened. And the scroll did mm. kind of say that it got out of hand, but I couldn't quite figure out like where the test started and it got out of hand began. And so that bit kind of confused me a little bit. Um, no, I see. I don't think that like, so there've been a few interesting theories on this so far, like how long, has Nick Fury been a scroll? Like, at what point did somebody fill in for him? Because obviously, not the not the mid credits, but the post credits, we saw the the real Nick Fury aboard what looked like some sort of massive armored carrier full of like weapons and spaceships and all sorts of things. Which I think a lot of people were kind of pointing at a sword, which is like the space equivalent of of shield that he's been building. So that's interesting. But I kind of th- because i i do genuinely feel like quentin beck did pull the wall over people's eyes so it was a case of right there is there are these phenomenons happening and tony stark has kind of chosen peter parker to be the one to inherit all of his stuff so in a way they kind of are sort of feeling him out to see whether or not he's ready to take on that mantle and, and to be dealing with the kind of power that he is eventually given and, and loses for a while in the movie before he, he kind of earns it back. But I just think the whole thing is like, it, it's, it's not kind of trying to pull the wall over your eyes in the way that Mysterio is. I think it is like genuinely like we've got these problems. We need someone to help Spider-Man. You're the guy and you know if you help us out here then you're going to inherit what you're going to inherit and that kind of takes a bit of a dark turn when when he's kind of feeling a lack of self-confidence like you kind of mentioned it before mark the thing i love about it is the first movie was spider-man homecoming he spends the whole movie trying to prove himself to tony stark i can be a superhero i can take on all this responsibility let me do something you know i i'm not a kid i can stop a bus with my bare hands i think it's one of the things he says and all this sort of stuff and after the event uh, events of avengers endgame in this he kind of just seems so defeated by all of the really heavy stuff that he's had to gone through that they do he does now just want to be a kid and i think that's like a really good step for him from going to I don't. I want this. I want this too. I. I really don't want any of this. And now, obviously, with the mid-credit scene and the revealing of his identity by a returning J.K. Simmons as J. Jonas Jameson, which I don't know about you, Mark, but I literally popped out of my damn mind when I saw that. At the end so of the movie. I. I didn't. Uh, I didn't like you know shout or scream or anything, but there was some guy about five rows behind me who did kind of scream out the entire cinema and was uh, was very excited by this reveal. I punched the air. I was watching the movie by myself on a Tuesday night when it came out, and I physically punched the air like, yes! <laughs> I was so happy about it. Ah, I didn't make adorable. any noises, though. But yeah, I thought that was how excited I was. But yeah, now, so, now not only has he got like the extended arc of responsibility, but he's now got to deal with the fact that everyone knows who he is. So now he has truly inherited the the same mantle that tony stark has the difference is tony stark stands up at the end of iron man and says i am iron man yeah and 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 he willfully accepts it 
which is the the key thing here. And like uh, Iron Man is, and, and Tony Stark have always been confident in themselves. Peter Parker has always been the nerdy kid who really doesn't have much self confidence, but he is now like reluctantly the guy who's the hero. And but now everyone knows who he is, so he's going to f- have to find a way out to deal with that. Uh, before we move on, some nice little moments. I really like the relationship he had with John Favreau in this. Like the moment where he's using um, Tony's equipment to build himself a new Spider-Man suit, and you just see Favreau looking at him like, "This is really cool." Like, you know, Tony was right, and you just and and he didn't say any of that, but it was all in the look. It's a really good bit of acting by John Favreau. Uh, the detour to the Netherlands <laughs> and the fact that he's wearing a Netherlands football kit, which I think would have popped Dave Ryan pretty huge um, if he'd been uh, if I'd been watching it with him. I thought it was quite nice as well. And yeah, I just uh, generally think like they got pretty much every beat of it where they needed to get it, and it's a sort of fun swashbuckling, <laughs> to use a word from last week, way to return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I'll be very interested to see what they've got for us next. This uh, this all homecoming. I think this is a better movie than Homecoming, but I think Homecoming needed to exist uh, in the format that it that it existed. I Michael Keaton was so damn good in that movie, by the way. Correct. So Absolutely. I don't want it before, before I qualify this. I want to say Michael Keaton, fucking fantastic actor, and played that role so well. You believed in why he was doing what he was doing, and it completely made sense. But Jake Gyllenhaal such a like it was a step up like in terms of, of of the villain just because he was so much more compelling you know and yeah I, mysterio has always been a great character even when he was a failed from being a failed hollywood actor in the comics and now being like a failed you know uber scientist and, and having a, a fucking gripe against everybody and being one of the few super villains with no powers just i think as idea. well the the thing i find interesting is it's usually the films that are set on earth that have the more compelling compelling villains uh because they usually ground them a little bit more in in either in reality or just ground them with more of a humane story because obviously it's on earth um because i think of like the types of thor and guardians of the galaxy and the enemies there are just a bit wishy-washy uh like ronan the accuser is okay i guess but um you know <laughs> I, I i think of um the likes of uh you know okay Iron Man is actually probably the exception to that rule, but even the first Iron Man, um, and you know, with Captain America's, <laughs> and by the way, when they cut back to that, that is the one bit in 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 uh, the first Iron Man movie. The one bit of it that every time I watch it, it kind of makes me cringe a little bit is Jeff Bridges shouting at the scientist guy, "Tony Stark built this in a cave." Yeah, like it's just such an overacted line, and the fact that we got to see a, a repeat of it in, in Spider-Man Far From Home to explain the backstory of one of Mysterio's team, I was like, oh man, I can't believe they resurfaced this line. Anyway, sorry, mate. Uh, no, but just saying, I, I do think that the the films that are kind of based more on Earth and grounded in reality are usually a little bit more compelling. And you know, Spider-Man is two for two now in this, so. Um, I'll be it'll be very interesting to see who they go with next because I think the other interesting thing as well is with all of the Spider-Man films we've had, um, you know, from what I remember, Vulture and Mysterio don't turn up in any of the other five films. Um, I don't know what other villains they have to work with before they start having to rehashing the likes of uh, Green Goblin um, or Duck. Oh, Ock. they have to. So like, there's two. So you know, in Spider-Man uh, Homecoming. 
like the end set piece of the movie was happy moving yeah, yeah, yeah. all of tony stark's gear to the avengers place upstate so that building is still there so there are two working theories one of them is that oscorp takes it over and you've got like the old avengers building is the oscorp building and the other one is that that's the way to introduce the fantastic four um and it's like yeah it's reed richards you know building and whatever like scientific stuff that he wants to do in there to be on the top floor of it which would be pretty cool but I think the Osborne one makes more sense. You've the, already got the Scorpion from um, from last the and like sort of he was on the boat and then he ended up in prison with Vulture yeah. in in the last movie yeah. and that's Michael Mando and he's absolutely coming back because anyone that's seen Better Call Saul knows how fucking great of an actor Michael Mando is so he definitely has to come back. So you've already got three right there that we've already seen. So then it's just yeah a case of how do you bring the other ones in? Do how they do you, how do you bring the Fantastic involve, Four in? Like, do that, they involve Venom as well? Like, <laughs> there's a Venom movie, and like I guess that was pretty popular. And... It was. I'd be fucking fascinated to see fucking Tom Hardy on screen with uh... Tom Holland. Yeah, wouldn't that how, be something? Wouldn't how that two be English something? Toms? Yeah, Mon the lads taken over like <clears throat> we always have done in history. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, we'll we'll leave that there for for now, and um, I'll try and get some more of Dave's thoughts next week on it because we didn't really get that. Um, but shall we move on to the video games? Yes, and spoilers. Hey, check it out! I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy Two. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Alright Jack, it's been a pretty busy two weeks or so that have fully been focused on Mario Maker 2. Um, now, I did actually download uh, Baba Is You today because it's on offer, 30% off, so I'll probably you know be playing that in between breaks. But um, Mario Maker 2, this is going to be a little kind of session talking about this. Uh, I want to start with asking, uh, how much time have you spent with, with the game up to this point? couple hours like not not an awful lot i've mainly played the story mode and just some like random user uploaded levels which which is a very hit and miss territory how about yourself uh so i have finished the story mode now i've 100 percented that um and i've spent about six or seven hours on my first level uh, and i just can't get the damn thing finished because um i keep tweaking it and testing it and changing things and uh it's it's really taking me back to my days of being at university and doing level and game design and just the horrors of you start something or I, you know, we could even go back to when we were in a band and you know, you, you start a song and you kind of have an idea and you think, okay, this is going somewhere. And then about 10 hours later, you're so far removed from the original idea that you're just like, what the fuck even is this anymore? I don't know. Yeah. Mark it's production. So like music production, you sit there and you find something and you're like, hmm, that doesn't sound quite right. And you spend half an hour correcting it. And you're like, right, that sounds okay now. And then you find something else and you find something else. Uh, and then before you know it, there's four hours in. And then you play it back and you don't know what's good versus what's bad. So you have to physically remove yourself and then come back to it like a couple of days later and be like, ah, right, okay, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah, and that's so kind of what I've been doing. And the thing with me as well when it comes to um, like the level I'm making at the moment 
is, you know, I've been watching videos and every other fucking tweet at this moment is a video of some insane Kaiser level that takes a level of mastery and skill that, you know, none of us have. And I'm not trying to make that, but I'm also, you know, trying to make a level that is to the level of skill that I have, you know, playing the likes of Super Meat Boy and Celeste. So, you know, there is a, a level and difficulty degree of difficulty that is in this level but it's it's finding a way to fine-tune it because i want to make it a difficult level but i don't want to be cheap about it or be a dick about it because that's that's just too easy to do you know it would be easy to make a level that is entirely made of of spike balls and just you know have like pixel perfect jumping required and i'd you know any challenge that you give a player, you need to put it in a kind of fair environment. And it's the the perfect example of this, the rule of it, is it exists in Mario, it exists in Mega Man. And it's the idea that, you know, you introduce an idea or an element or a mechanic to a player. And they have it in a safe environment where they can either get hurt, but they can't die. And they learn, you know, if they make a mistake, they make a mistake, but they don't die and they learn from it. And then you introduce that in more and more precarious ways where... They've had the chance to learn from it to the point that if they do die, it's, you know, it's their fault. It's on them. They should have learned by now how to deal with it. And so that's drilled into me. And, you know, when I'm making my level at the moment, I'm really trying to use this theory. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I don't do anything that just comes across as cheap. And it's really fucking difficult to do. And, you know, I'll play, I'll, I'll work on my level for about half an hour. I'll test it. I'll find out what doesn't work. I'll find out what breaks, what just what isn't there that should be and then i'll run out of ideas and then i'll go and play three or four levels and think okay that's a cool idea what can i do with that what can i do to implement that into my level so i've been going back and forth and i've gotten to the point now where i have you know my level is kind of it's got a couple of puzzle elements to it um and that's one of the things i love about mario maker is people making puzzle levels in mario games because other than the boo ghost house uh levels they don't really exist and there's just some crazy shit that people are doing with different uh, items in the game. And so I've just been kind of throwing more and more stuff in. Um, but I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, okay, do I have too much stuff? Um, if I add this thing here, does this break something that happens earlier in the game? If I have this earlier in the game, does this break something over here? And, you know, about 10 minutes before I left the house to come here to record this, I realized that a, a really cool idea that I have about halfway through my level can complete you you have to go kind of i keep doing a thing it's uh it's kind of like the the bioshock thing where you know you come to a door and it's locked and you have to go find a key somewhere else to come back to that door to progress and i've kind of got that but i've realized the thing that kind of blocks you you don't even need to go past it to go and do something else like the you can still pass that part of the level there so i have to go and fix that now and it's yeah i'm i'm going to be spending a lot of time with with mario maker you know, this level might get done before Christmas. I'm not really sure at this point. Dare I suggest you might be overthinking this slightly. <laughs> but that's the thing. That is the thing. I need to overthink it. I need to, because I need to find that balance. I could just shit this out now as it is, but I won't be happy with it. That's one way of putting it. Yeah. Shit. It's almost like you're saying that video game level design is very difficult, Mark. Somewhat. Yeah, you could say that. I know, right? Um, but, you know past that the actual game itself uh, so i didn't i i played mario maker um dave let me borrow it when i moved to his um it definitely goes without saying 
that the Wii U is the platform to play Mario Maker on. Um, you know, if there's anything else that if there's one thing that ever needs to be said about the Wii U is that you know it is the perfect uh, Mario Maker engine platform, whatever you want to call it. You know, the Switch is fine. Um, I don't have a stylus. Uh, I don't know if you have one. What makes it better than the Switch? The Switch is essentially the Wii U. No, because for start, the, the Wii U uh, is... The the actual controller itself is bigger. Um, and so you've just got more space to actually kind of work with it to move stuff around. Um, you know, just... It's just bigger, effectively. And the fact that also you have the screen and you have the TV kind of at the same time where you know you only have the switch or you have it docked in but with this you have basically two screens to work from so fair comment yeah. i use two screens at work so i do like having two screens to view things on yeah is there w- not a way to do that with the switch where you can dual screen it I don't, there isn't is there no no there isn't that's what they i, I feel like that would be really you just I, i've never thought about this but that is actually a downside that they've never brought out a way to do that. Because I used to quite like playing Mario Kart 8 and having my mini-map uh, in the middle of my Wii U controller so I could see like where everyone else was on the uh, on the map behind me without having to like look too far or whatever. It was always pretty handy. Well, they're releasing the Switch Lite, so they're making a Switch with only one screen that you can use. So maybe the next thing they'll do is actually you can use two screens at the same time. Maybe. I do quite like the look of the Switch Lite, though. But we'll, we'll probably talk about that in a bit. We will talk about that in a bit. So, yeah, um, yeah so that's pretty cool. Like, it's... Well, that's, should I say, it's definitely one thing straight away is that it did feel just... It's it's, it's easier to create stuff on, um, on the Wii U. But, I mean, I haven't really had any kind of great difficulties with it. So, you know, I can't really complain too much. Like, I'm making the level that I want to make. So... There's nothing about making it on the Switch that I feel, you know, is obstructing me. So um, it's just more just a, an observation that the, the Wii U really is an unsung hero. Um, the story mode is fine in terms of just kind of showing you, hey, here are all these elements in this game and shit that you can do with it. But I don't think it does much of a job in terms of saying hey here is this element let us show you how we have put it into this world and how you can do stuff with it it is just like hey here's a level go and play it here's this thing that's in that level Um, complete it without jumping level by the way yeah i know right (laughs) fiddly um i do wish that they had just i don't know actually spent a little bit more time to kind of go through the level with you and say hey this is how this thing works this is how you know auto scrolling works and what you can do with it um i think they missed a bit of a trick with that so you really do have to just kind of learn on the fly like okay this is the item that i have what do i do with it or you know go and play 50 other levels or find uh, something online that kind of just gives you a little bit more or just kind of fuck around with it until you figure stuff out which is kind of what the the first mario maker was um so there's that uh, i think that yeah they did miss a trick there but i story mode is a worthwhile uh inclusion you know it's obviously not there in the original mario maker and um i'd rather what it, what is there is there than isn't there and i'm glad that they don't lock anything major away there's like three things that are locked away from completing it uh, and i think only one of them is an actual like item you can use uh in levels um the others, I think, are just like uh, just costumes and stuff. Um, it's weird that they've actually taken stuff out of the original 
um, like some of the characters, like you know, you could turn into Link or you could turn into kind of super thin uh, Mario. Like all that stuff has been taken out. I'm not really sure why that is. Um, I don't know if it's something to do with like the, the multiplayer levels, but I mean, you could probably just if you do a multiplayer level, you could just have those things locked away in those levels. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, I haven't had a chance to play any of the multiplayer yet, but I have seen a couple of videos that require multiplayer, and I know it linked you to um, one or two yesterday. And yeah, uh, the trustful level. <laughs> trustful level. I fucking I was in tears watching it. So basically. Um, you know, with the multiplayer levels, is the first one to cross the line. Or I think one of the, the modes is the first person to reach the goal wins. And there's one level and it's just one screen. And uh, there's only a couple of like a couple of lines of space. Um, and then for most of the floor, it's the uh, red blocks for the on off switch. And there's an on off switch at the other at the start of, of the level. So you've got four players there. And, you know, if you start running towards the screen to reach the end goal, one of the other three players is obviously just going to hit the on-off switch and make you fall to your death. And just watching, like, these players just kind of fuck themselves, and, I uh, yeah, it's it's a good time. Um, so I want to see more of that kind of stuff. And uh, Kotaku actually had a really good piece on just, like, different types of levels with just people finding creative ways to fuck other people over in uh, in the multiplayer uh, is, is my jam and something I want to watch more of uh, going forward. Yeah, I think so. One of my favorite things without even actually playing it so far is just the sheer number of people that are posting uh, their levels on Twitter. And as you say, like every other tweet, if you follow a lot of video game accounts at the moment, just seems to be a Mario Maker level. And it's, it's always like in one of a few categories. It's like, here's a serious level that I made and I want you to play it, friends. Or here's a level that will like absolutely free the ends of your sanity if you ever try and complete it. Like There was like an upside-down level that, that you sent us the other day, Mark, where it was a guy... <laughs> it was like everything was like had to be inch-perfect and he was bouncing off of like toad shells and all kinds of crazy stuff and it just looked like the stuff of my nightmares. Uh, and then there's the this is quite a funny way to complete the level level. And then there's just like, I'm going to make weird stuff in the sky and spell out rude words with blocks levels, which are always fun as well. So it's like even one of those four categories that the, the things seem to be put in. And yeah, I just love how it brings out people's like creativity or humor or displays how good people are at gaming. And it's amazing that you've got a game where, the whole premise of it is no we're just going to turn it over to you and i mean obviously little big planet have done that a bunch before but the fact that it's mario and you're using like sprites and blocks and things of something that feels so familiar it's like you know putting on a pair of shoes that you've worn for a year or something they just mold to your feet and it just it, it's like candy for your eyes just seeing mario stuff like that so being able to use all those those bits of art and bits and pieces it's, it's just really cool and it's not hugely different to the first Mario maker really there's like little improvements and bits and pieces you can add and the online interaction is much better but yeah it's, it's just never not fun there's there's an infinite of possibility based on your own imagination once you complete the story level and if you can't think of anything cool to do just go and play anyone's random level on the internet and there's like a million different ways that you can you can skin a cat on there and yeah I, it, it's a blast mark Mar this mario maker it's it's the future 
Yeah, and I, it's been, you know, too long since I played the first one, so I can't remember, like, what are new features around um, the actual kind of content creation side of it. But, you know, everything I've looked for so far, um, I was just like, hey, can I search for, you know, Mario 3D World levels? Yep, cool, I can find that. Um, can I get my friends and add them? Yes, cool. It's infuriating that you have to create a me character within the game and you can't actually just use you know your switch nintendo pass account that would be handy why can't i just do that but okay once i've got that um i have you and um, i think i have you dave and jack up to you dave and niner and um you know i can go to niner's account and i can check whenever he adds a new level and um you know that's great so cool i can find that kind of stuff but um yeah, all of that is fine. I, I just, I need to do more. I haven't checked out every part of the game yet. It's mainly just the story mode. And um, my level, my one level I've been working on. And I just, I'm I'm really, I, I hope that when I finally get this <laughs> Your level Chinese finished. Chinese democracy. <laughs> yeah, it really, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm really worried that when I release it, someone's just going to go and break it straight away. That's going to infuriate me. But it'll probably happen. But well, hey. in calendar 2028, if people are still playing Mario Maker, there probably will be. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but hey, you have to make it and you have to break it to learn from it to make something better. So hey, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Mario Maker <laughs> Two, it's pretty good. It's pretty. It's good. a good time. Yeah. It's 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 going to be in in our conversations at the end of the year, no doubt. Um, or I'm going to end up like the bit in uh, in Always Sunny where Charlie uh, Charlie's trying to figure out who Pepe Silva is, and he's just got this massive fucking like just <laughs> fucking diagram of just chaos on the wall. That's probably going to be me trying to do this. And I'm going to come, this... come over and visit you, and the whole walls are just going to be diagrams of Mario, bits of red string headed everywhere. And, and then I'm just going to scream to you that there is actually no Pepe Silva, and that actually I got fired three days ago. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, like, I tried to come into the room and you just hit a button and the floor disappears. <laughs> Don't come any closer. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. So, yeah, so that is that. And uh, I guess with that, we shall move on to the news. News on the mark! Jack, as mentioned uh, in the prior segment, the Nintendo, the Nintendo, Nintendo have announced that uh, portable-only Switch Lite will be arriving in September. So there had been uh, reports a while ago, not too long ago, uh, that two new Switch models were on the way. Uh, Nintendo have finally confirmed one of these being the Nintendo Switch Lite. Uh, Nintendo themselves have declared that it's a compact, lightweight console that's dedicated to handheld play, and the few features about it it's dropped the detachable joy cons so it's you know it's just one switch controller that's kind of fixed with the joy cons in there um which means that so it swaps the standard switches left hand buttons for a proper d-pad uh, the new offering is uh, slimmer it's lighter uh, the battery life is a little bit better uh, which is good because the battery life on the switch is one of the kind of features of it that is not so good it's due to arrive on the 20th of September, which will cost $200, uh, which is around about £160. Uh, although, you know, by then, maybe Brexit will have fucking changed that all around. Um, and that's obviously, it's about 100 quid cheaper than the uh, original Switch price tag. Uh, the other problems that, well, problems or not problems, depending on how you look at it, is that uh, it completely drops any support for, with the, um, uh, the docking station. So, you know, you can't, 
fix it and play on the TV is literally just it is a handheld console which for me kind of effectively destroys the 3DS if it hadn't already been destroyed and definitely if it hadn't already been destroyed destroys the PS Vita. Uh, Jack what do you think about this? Yeah I mean it, it has killed the 3DS 100% it <laughs> they're not going to do it but part of me is like this is a 3DS killer so can we just play all our 3DS games on it as well please? Uh, not that they're ever in a million years going to do that, but that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a PS Vita, but a Nintendo version of it. I'd like its release to coincide with some interesting stuff from Nintendo's back catalogue to maybe give it a little little extra juice there. I mean, I'd like um, it if they'd done that when the fucking Switch came out to begin with, but beggars can't be choosers. Dude, the Switch launched with Zelda Breath of the Wild, one of the best games of its entire generation. I would have been fine if they fucking dropped the Super Nintendo Virtual Console on there as well. But... Yes, everybody would have wanted that, but it's not like they needed to apologize for anything when they released it with Breath of the Wild, a world-class video game. But I think this is a good idea. Like, It's a, it's a sort of cheaper gateway into Switch. I, I'll be honest with you, I would say probably 70-80% of the time when I actually play my Switch, I don't play it in docked TV mode. I've got like a Netflix or, or some TV show on the go and I'll just be playing my my Switch and you know looking up to see if anything develops in my TV show that I need to be more aware of. Um, it's a, We're living in a multi-screen society, so I think it's logical and it's good that they've taken a big wedge off the, off the asking price as well. What I wonder is, are they going to make it easy? Like, you know, if I want to have another PS4, I could get that, sign in with my account, download all my games, and it to just be really easy. Do we think Nintendo are going to make it easy to do that with the new Switch if, <laughs> if you wanted to buy a portable <laughs> Switch? <laughs> oh, you're funny. Uh, I doubt it. Yes. Uh, that because to me like i'm like oh this is cool like i, I was even i was because i'm a child an absolute child i was even like oh i kind of want one now even though i don't need one at all <laughs> i still wanted one especially the yellow one that looked super cool but i was like mm, basically if i get this uh considering i only have about two or three maybe physical switch games i basically have to rebuy my entire games collection uh of all things that i've got on switch um unless they offer that that compatibility so that kind of nixes it for me a bit so i think this is just more of a gateway for say like parents who didn't want to splurge the full 250 or whatever it is at the moment to get a switch and they can they can get it for their kid and then they don't have to worry about them taking over the tv in the house because they'll be on that instead but yeah yeah i mean honestly i think that nintendo will be looking to market this just to people that don't have a switch already um so you know i i think that the cross... aka absolute monsters you mean yeah i know <laughs> but i do think that the the crossover well i mean it's going to be around about the time for when pokemon comes out as well so that's you know that game it's if there is anyone left that didn't have a switch because they were just waiting for a pokemon game that i you know other than the, the let's go series um you know this is the proper first kind of mainline pokemon game coming to the switch i do think that it's very smart that they're coinciding the release of the switch round about the time as as pokemon i think i might be off by a little bit with the dates so um i i do think that the crossover of people that 
already have a Switch that are going to buy this new Switch is very, very minimal. So I can really see them just saying it is just not the worth the effort of having a way of transferring that data over. So that's the cynic in me. That is also the person who looks at Nintendo and the way they deal with these kinds of things and don't really seem to give a fuck. And yeah, I think that's just the way it'll be. Yeah, fair enough. I kind of think it would be cool if it was like a sort of like a Netflix deal where they're like, oh, you know, you can have it on two different systems or whatever. Um, you can sign in on X amount of systems, like two two systems, say, and get your games on two systems. And these are the two systems you've got that are registered. Uh, and if you want all of your games on a new Switch, you have to deregister, say, like your old, one of your old ones to get it all on one of the new ones or whatever. And, and that would be an, uh, that would be a smart way of doing it. I just don't think we're going to get that. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see how that sells and uh, whether or not that like spikes up what is an already incredible um, rate of sale for, for this console. So yeah, see what comes forward from this. Okay, moving on. Uh, so <laughs> uh, this took me by surprise. Netflix have announced that there is a, cup, a Cuphead cartoon series on the way. Um, Netflix picked up the rights to produce a Cuphead animated series with the look of the game's 1930s classic Fleischer cartoons uh, remaining intact. Uh, it has been helmed by the Emmy and Annie uh, award-winning Dave Wasson, who has worked as director on Dick, um, Disney's Mickey Mouse short series, while similarly evokes the style of early animation. Uh, in a statement today, Netflix said the show would be a character-driven comedy which follows the unique misadventures of the impulsive Cuphead and his cautious but easily swayed brother Mugman. Uh, there's nothing else to show right now, um, but yeah, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I, I knew that this would immediately be right up your street. Um, it's interesting because, like, in video game format, fair enough, but does Disney look at this and think, hmm, <laughs> is there an actionable lawsuit in this, specifically seeing as they even got a Disney guy? Or is this Netflix's way of saying, we know you're launching your streaming platform, so we're going to offer this as a sort of animation alternative? Uh, I, they... I don't think there's any lawsuit there. I mean, I don't think you can lawsuit a, you know, an animate, a, a style of animation. Uh, I, I don't yeah. Think, you know, that's possible. Um, but it's just, it's fascinating because, you know, off the top of my head, uh, maybe there's been something since then, but... Um, when I think of like games that have been turned into a, a television series or a cartoon series, um, the two that off the top of my head I think of were uh, Earthworm Jim and um, Mario. There was a Mario series. There was a Mario series, but I just I don't even think of that. I think of Earthworm Jim and I think of Eva Pinata actually because they had a that had a, a an animated uh, like three D animated series, um, and. Yeah, it's just it's Pokemon. What came first, the anime or the game? I, I mean, they're games, kind of right? they're they're one and the same, really. You know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, it's it just that whole thing is a thing to unto itself. Yeah, we all know it was the egg. So let's yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm I'm so curious to see what this looks like, how this plays, because you know, one of the the noted things about that 1930s animated style is there is kind of like an actual darkness behind it because. You know, it was the 1930s, and the sort of shit that you'd show your kid uh, is very much different to the standards and practices of what you'd have today. So I'm curious to see that you know the animator style will probably fit that tone, but will the tone fit that tone? Um, 
that it is on Netflix, so I guess it probably would be more like that, but who the fuck knows? Maybe. I, I can't see them changing it up too much. And like, will it be voiced or not? That's the other thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. The thing as well, like, it took so long to make that game with all of the animation style but the way it was, and like the DLC is taking ages as well, and it's just been pushed back like we discussed last week, so... They're announcing a Cuphead show. Do we think this is coming out in like the mid two thousand twenties, or is this going to be? Well, I, you know, I, I would imagine that the team behind this will be just a completely different, like actual animated t- team. So I, I reckon this will be. Uh, I mean, when I think about production on cartoons, like it wasn't, it wasn't as long as I thought it'd be between when the first Castlevania series, which was only like four episodes. And the second Castlevania series came out, so uh, you know I don't think it'll be something that we'll be waiting for as long. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of uh, production and development on on cartoons is a hell of a lot quicker than game development. So, you know, like for a start, QA testing doesn't exist because it's just it's a cartoon. It's not something it's something you play. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I just I just wondered, like, it's it's such a a, a striking and in depth animation style that it feels like it might take a while oh i definitely think from that aspect like to get the actual tone of what they want to go for because it's you know what what today gets made like 1930s fly should not a lot so that definitely might take a little bit longer just cuphead really yeah yeah so but hey and it'd be cool it'd be cool if you had like because like (laughs) this is a thing as well like I do really like everything about Cuphead except the idea of actually playing it. So I think well, it would this would be, be perfect cool for you then. They, yeah, if they had like all of the bosses or whatever from Cuphead uh, uh, as like pod episodes, where like you know, oh, we're gonna go and visit King Dice today, or we're gonna go and visit the dragon or whatever, and like all of the episodes are like yeah, linked to the bosses in the game. I think that'd be pretty cool. I really hope, just from kind of the, the brief way you were saying that, I kind of hope they get voiced by the same people that are doing Watch Dogs Legion uh, and just get Danny Dyer to voice Cuphead and Ray Winston <laughs> to be right, Mugman. Man. You little slag. All right, Mugman. Do you want to go fucking deal with that dice bloke today? Yeah, we're going to go and bunch up that geezer with an head like them rolly things from the <laughs> casino. Like, I don't know. Well, that could work, but I, I don't know. Who, who would you get up? Do you know who would be really good to play King Dice? Vinny Jones. And... <laughs> Are we just going all Cockney? Pretty much, yeah. It's going to be Ray Winston in there, get Tamir fucking Hassan, get Dick Van Dyke to do whatever that accent that he was that was calf Cockney, but not really. He's still alive, right? I don't know. Uh, he's, you know, knocking on that door. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that that would be, uh, be an interesting way to go. But I was thinking immediately, like, c- casting, like, I would love King Dice to be voiced by Mark Hamill in the style of the Joker from the animated Batman series. Well, surely just Mark Hamill doing anything is, you know... Cranking it up to 11. I Actually, no, no. Do you know who you get as King Dice? Go ahead. Who? <laughs> Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah, that would be, uh, that would be pretty spectacular. You should just get all the hammiest actors that you can possibly find to do all of the voices in there that would make it just just over the top wacky levels of craziness that i would really enjoy and then get like some of the guys who did the ren and stimpy 
voices, get them in, involved. That'd I, be I did good. say, for some reason, when I saw the, the poster um, for the announcement of this, for some reason, I immediately thought of Ren and Stimpy, and I was like, I really want this Cuphead show to be like in the vein of Ren and Stimpy, which would completely <laughs> ruin, like... I mean, not that there's kind of a childlike essence to Cuphead, because there really isn't, but I just was like, no, just fuck it, make it go weird. Just go weird with it. That's what I want now. Yeah, a lot of animation seems to find success in weirdness. Even, like, kid-friendly shows like Adventure Time are just batshit crazy now. Or, like, you know, you go Rick and Morty, which is, like, more adult-themed, but all of the episodes have got just the weirdest shit in them. Like, they're all, like, sort of, you know, cartoon versions of the Mighty Boosh, so it'd be interesting to see whether Cuphead kind of does go that route of just going directly to Wacky Town, do not pass go kind of thing. So, hey, uh, we will definitely be keeping uh, tabs on this as we get more information. Okay, Jack. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you are aware of the uh, ongoing saga that is the girl who is selling her bath water. Oh, my fucking... Yes, I am aware of this saga. It is, without question, the weirdest yet most understandable development that has happened on the internet this week. So, for anyone not aware, uh, there is a UK-based internet personality uh, called Belle Delphine, who uh, is known for viral stunts, and she has a Patreon that is rather not safe for work in terms of content. Um, it's, you know, it's nothing that you haven't really seen before. Her appearance is very much, it's very kawaii, it's very Japanese, very anime, and, uh, you know, very much based towards that kind of uh, gamer market, if you will. Uh, she, <laughs> so she had a stunt not too long ago, because uh, I, I, there's a, an article on Kotaku about this, which is worth reading, uh, and she had not, uh, a, a stunt not too long ago where she announced that if she got 1 million likes on the Instagram post that she announced, that she would uh, be creating a Pornhub account and adding content to there. Uh, she obviously, you know, smashed that 1 million target uh, barrier. Wow, did she really? Yeah, and then she created the Pornhub account, and so there was a bunch of videos, and I was watching a YouTube video that was going through this, and there were uh, titles like uh, Doggy Style uh, POV, but it was her fe feeding her dog from the perspective <laughs> of the dog. Uh, actually, was... all right, I, I, I was running to, um, I was willing to hate this girl, but that is actually pretty funny. No, no, yeah, and there was like, um, I get blasted over my face, and it was like her getting coke over her face or something, and you know, just all these kind of very, uh, you know, very suggestive titles, but just nothing of that like, and it was a fucking 10 out of 10 troll job, and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm on board with this, this, this works for me. Uh, her latest stunt was uh, announcing that she would be selling her bath water uh, to her fans on her online store for $30 per jar. Uh, now, I mean, to be honest, it's right. not... First of all, can we define how big the jar is? Like, how mu how many milliliters? Because, like, it's $30, you're saying? It's it's a small jam jar. Is it? Like, so it's a jam jar? Yeah. It's not, okay, so... you know, it's not a massive container. It's, it's something that you can hold in your hand. It's not like a vial, like no, no, it's not a vial, no, no. <laughs> and it's not like a sort of like a milk bottle full of it. No, it's it's, it, it, it's a small jam jar, your peanut yeah. butter jar or whatever. Uh, so you may be getting a hundred mil yeah. of, of of the bath water. And let's be honest, this isn't exactly the weirdest thing that's ever been sold on the internet. You know, you have 
Um, no, I mean, you don't really need to continue the rest of that sentence. Weird shit happens on the end of Yeah, yeah no, but just for kind of context, you know, you'll have, like, um, porn stars selling, you know, underwear and lingerie that's, lingerie that's worn on set and whatever else. So that isn't that particularly weird. Um, what is interesting is the fact that this ended up actually becoming a viral tweet um, because this got retweeted um, by some Twitter user called uh, WSUPDEM and it just kind of went from there and it just kind of exploded and she actually ended up selling out of however much of this bath water she was selling whether it was just the one bath or more she sold out of this in two days <laughs> can time. you imagine she's just like having to round the clock just jump in and out of bars fill up a bath like sit in there for 10 minutes get real pruney like drain it out get back in again yeah like, just now, around the clock it's kind of like you know in um in in utah they've got people jumping in and out of lakes trying to baptize everyone yeah, in yeah, the yeah, world yeah. oh god um, so Sorry. yeah so she sold out in two days' time, and obviously with something like this, there was, uh, you know, just the, the reactions that um, that her bath, her bath water was dangerous or that it was a scam. Uh, there have been accusations that um, Delphine has herpes and that the people that have purchased this bath water have herpes. Um, there was uh, something about her, you know, causing a herpes outbreak because of this. There was someone claiming to be a molecular, a molecular biologist uh, claiming that her bath water was not actually bath water. There was no traces of human DNA and that this was grounds for a class lawsuit. Yes, that is the one that I heard and I was like, this has reached peak internet now. Yeah. Now, the thing is, according to uh, Delphine herself, who put uh, an Instagram post about this, she hasn't actually shipped any of this water yet. And so, you know, all this reaction has happened. Uh, but she hasn't actually uh, shipped any of this yet. Now, you know, one can't be verified and the other can't be verified, so you'll just have to believe who you want to believe. Because of the prior stunt, I'm more than happy to believe that Delphine is actually, like, telling the truth here and she hasn't actually shipped any of this out yet. And I imagine because... I'm starting to think that she... Like, after that description of before, I'm now starting to think that she's the sort of person that's, like... It's almost like an avant-garde comedy... Thing that she's doing it's like some sort like... of postmodern comedy or postmodern trolling i i it's fucking incredible whatever it is and i i kind of uh, i'm all on board for her, her trolling because like after the the pornhub thing um there were comments from the 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 usual fucking like incel virgin fucking fan base that were like oh you've you've destroyed your reputation you know we you are one of the gamers but you will never be one of us now and again it's hard to tell kind of what is reality and what is someone trolling because everything on the internet these days is impossible to tell what is real and what is fake um but it's the whole kind of idea of this is that it seems like it's a stunt um, that's kind of stirred up in, in the heart of internet culture with the idea that, you know, this is content that's made to objectify women, uh, but it's kind of reacting with the anger, with the objectification uh, that's making the objectifiers, like the people that bought this, the actual butt of the joke. And if that is actually what the case is here, and it's, it's hard to tell, I, that is phenomenal. And round of applause to... to um, uh, what the hell's her name again? Uh, Belle Def De Delphine. Um, I imagine, because of the nature of this story, that we'll probably have more on this next week uh, if, like, this bar filter actually gets shipped out. 
And, you know, I imagine one person will probably try and vape it at some point and we'll get a video about that. And, uh, yeah, 2019. Someone's going to vape it. Of course someone's going to vape it. Oh, my God. I Do you reckon someone will drink it? Uh, I imagine someone will drink it as well. Oh, man. But, I mean, the thing is, the the simple thing is, like, if anyone actually buys this and either feels that they get shortchanged or conned or whatever the case may be, what are you doing buying a $30 jar of bath water? Here's the thing. If I was really rich, I absolutely would have bought one of these. Why would you just not buy her Snapchat account, you know? (laughs) Because it's just fucking fucked up and funny. And I, I just think I'd love to... To just be involved in this bizarre story in some way. So yeah, there you go. That's that's the I, that's our weird story of the week. I can confirm that I have not purchased any of this bath water. Though. Okay, thank you for confirming, uh, Jack. But, uh, if anyone wants to buy any of my <laughs> bath, <laughs> branded the Roman Reigns of audio bath water. If you are gonna, you can go to my Patreon right now. <laughs> Oh, what's man. what's your silver and gold tier? Gold tier? I mean, I don't think I can even say it out loud on the show. But, Is it uh, a personalised kiss and a postcard? Yeah. I mean, I, 30 minutes I on like Skype with yours truly? The, my gold tier is just like, I turn up to your house and just trim and prune all of your plants. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe I'll play a round of Merry Part Week Party with you. Yeah, silver is. I'm, de- I'm going to deliver three chocolate eclairs to you at some point in the next month. And the good thing about that is you don't know when it's coming, so it's just going to be surprise eclairs. When is that ever a bad thing? But will one of them be half eaten? Well, I get hungry, you know. Like delivering, good, you know. Dude, delivering eclairs is like thirsty and hungry work, so I'm going to be need a, I need to keep myself stocked up on Delphine's bathwater for the drinking <laughs> and my own eclairs <laughs> to be eaten. I'm I'm moving on from this story now. Uh, I news, think it's probably messy, you know. <laughs> n- news that uh, will keep you happy. Um, Tetris 99 is getting offline. Well, it's actually going to make me happy. Uh, Tetris 99 is getting offline multiplayer later this year. Uh, as part of his paid DLC. Uh, so I, I actually should, I didn't uh, mention this, but because I got Mario Maker, I got the online subscription for a year, and because of that, I got Tetris 99. Um, I'm fucking terrible at it, and I can't get past, like, you know, I'm dying within about the first 20 people, and it's just doing my head in. So, hey, offline multiplayer for, te- for Tetris 99. I am happy to hear about that. Uh, the new Dude, DLC- I whip ass at Tetris 99, by the way. I'm happy for you. Uh, the new DLC has appeared on Nintendo's Australian website, and although specifics are scarce, it uh, promises to add a more enabling uh, to add a mode enabling participants to play offline with friends and family. Um, but this will be the uh, first batch of offline modes. Uh, oh, however, it gained a first batch of offline modes back in May as part of an 8.99 add-on known as the Block Big Block DLC. And so, you know, this will be part of the DLC too. Whenever um, it's hasn't been announced when yet but uh yeah that should be coming later this year so uh if we can get tetris effect on the switch that would be the thing i'll go for but i'll take this in the time for the time being yeah why is tetris effect not on switch yet that's that's kind of rough uh is it on xbox it might just be a playstation exclusive yeah fair enough 
So, you know, I'm sure it'll make its way to other platforms at some point. Has it come point. down in price yet? Is it still like 40 quid? Uh, no, I bought it for, I'm pretty sure I bought it for like 20 quid in the Christmas sales. Yeah, I was looking at it after Christmas and I was like, I mean, I do like this game, but it's too much money. No, I mean, it. 20 quid was like, yeah, that was that was my point where I'm like, <sighs> okay, I'll buy this. It's still Tetris, though. Yeah, like, but it's, all, it's, really... all, it's pretty Tetris, all right? It's good-looking Tetris, right, but... It's not fucking Game of the Year like Dave thinks, but it's pretty Tetris, and... It, yeah, I, I mean, granted, but I don't want to pay, like, more than a tenner for a Tetris game in 2019, because if I want to play Tetris, I can immediately play it for free in a myriad of forms. Okay, fair point, but, yeah. again, pretty Tetris, so... That's my argument, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, it, it's a bit cheaper than the, uh, the 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 main attraction of the previous news item, so uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but I, on although, scales of economy, al- I guess that makes sense. Although, our last story, uh, new Pokemon, Alchemy, looks like a cake and attacks by Squirt in whipped cream. Yes. Um, um, I'm not going to talk more about this story, but, yeah, basically... <laughs> So this Pokemon, it kind of looks like a ghost. Uh, it has strawberries for ears. It's it has a humanoid form. Uh, it's a fairy Pokemon because the fairy Pokemon are just the weirdest fucking Pokemon. Um, apparently, this cream is edible. Uh, its description reveals and it is invariably delicious. So many pastry chefs strive to have an alchemy as their partner. Uh, and apparently, the this cream uh, becomes richer the happier alchemy is feeling. So oh, does it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really feel like there's any <laughs> anything we uh, we need to add to that. Oh, and but... have you have you seen the the uh, like the gigantic form of it? Yeah. So, no, but that's to me like you're burying the lead a little bit. Sorry, like, you're okay. burying the lead on two on two things. Here. Okay. All right. Right. Number one, Yamper. Oh, Yamper. Yes, obviously. That is a good boy. Yamper um, is a good boy. Yamper will win our the... good boy award. He is the goodest of the good boys. It's, it's going to uh, be between Yamper and Underdog for, you know. And Underdog, yeah. yeah. Uh, Underdog is the one that, like, causes... that. The reason that you have to go through story mode on Mario Maker 2, we didn't even mention this, is because Underdog sees something, jumps on it, and blows up Princess Peach's castle. So, uh, despite that, he is still a very good boy, as is Yamper. Yeah, number two, there's not just Dynamaxing, there's... Is it Gigamaxing, it's called? Uh Gig- Gigantamax? G- Gigantamax? Gigantamax? Is it so? Oh, fuck knows. Right, so not only do you make, you know, something fucking huge, but you also can turn it into, like, some, like, death version of it. So, like, the, the, basically what looks like a fucking eaten mess new Pokemon that gets happy and shoots cream at you turns into some, like, fucking six tier wedding cake with, like, fucking cream cannons, and it's insane. Yeah, and I just can't wait to see how they like redevelop all of the different Pokemon into this because it's it's it was first introduced this thing, wasn't it, in like Pokemon X and Y that you could make like these Uber versions of Pokemon, and there was only so many of them that you could do it with, but you had like Charizard X and Charizard Y and Blastoise and that, and they all looked like you know sort of really evil versions of the pokemon so it's like a combination of that and dynamax and it looks like and yeah I, I can't wait to see some of the possibilities and i'm just waiting for whatever the giganta maxed version of waylord looks like just give me it now mark please 
But this, and this is the thing, right? With all of this, with everything they're doing with the Gigantamax and the Dynamics, I'm not surprised that they're just not going to be able to have all 1,000 and whatever Pokemon. Like, there's just no way they can spend all that time making all of these, you know? Well, yeah, they're not going to have all of as we as we mentioned a couple of weeks Well, that's what back. I mean. It's, it's, it's a, a massive part of the reason why they just they can't do it. I just the, the time it will take to do that is insane. Yeah, I know. I just really want to see the... Uh... I just want to see what they're going to come out with when it term, like in terms of these gigantic fucking Pokemon. I'm sure there's going to be a weeks of memes about this. Because you know, like, the giant <laughs> executor from from uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon? Can you imagine that? Like, that's head just, like, in, in space somewhere. Just all the way to the moon. Like, gigantic version of it. Like, like a tree trunk that you climb like James and the fucking giant peach or something that would be awesome we, we are going to get to the point where it's going to be like a fucking episode of Power Rangers at the end and uh, you know they just go into their evolved form and uh, it's yeah it's going to be ridiculous or uh, Dragon Ball Z where you have entire Pokemon battles where they're just hyping up to go to like yeah. whatever the Pokemon version of Super Saiyan becomes so yeah, but there's a there's a cream cake Pokemon effectively because I thought yeah. we'd run out of ideas after the coffin, the trash bag, and the set of keys. But hey, here we are. <laughs> I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I forgot about that fucking set of keys <laughs> as a Pokemon. Oh man, yeah, Trubbish is just that is the worst thing I've ever seen. And that's going to be the thing. Well. Like if Trubbish is in this game, but. You know, pick whatever your favorite. If if Waylord isn't in, but Trubbish is in, you know that's yeah. that's gonna set you off. The Pokemon that's just a fucking cog as well. Just just fuck off with that, would you? And there's the like, one what? from there's the 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 actual Pokemon that are a sword and a shield and that kind of nonsense. Yeah, they're yeah they they definitely exist as well. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, I think we'll move away from that before we fucking turn this into a Pokemon-dedicated podcast. Uh, And we're going to move on and talk about the game that is our book club feature of this week. Uh, We are going back to 2015, so only four years ago. uh, But we're talking about a game that actually kind of started its life a long, long time before that, uh, as we are talking about the now very popular Rocket League Rocket League is a vehicular soccer video game developed and published by Psyonix. The game was first released for the Microsoft Windows and PlayStation 4 in July 2015, with ports for Xbox One, Mac OS, Linux and Nintendo Switch being released later on. How the fuck have I still not bought that Switch version? In June 2016, 505 Games began distributing a physical retail version for PS4 and Xbox One, with Warner Bros taking over these duties by the end of 2017. Described as soccer, but with rocket-powered cars, Rocket League has up to four players assigned to each of the two teams, using rocket-powered vehicles to hit a ball into their opponent's goal and score points over the course of a match. The 
game includes single-player and multiplayer modes which can be played both locally and online, including cross-platform play between all versions. Later updates of this game enabled the ability to modify core rules and added new game modes including one based on ice hockey and basketball. So, Jack, uh, if myself and Dave had been doing this podcast, well, we were doing this podcast, but if we'd done the Game of the Year show uh, podcast that year, uh, Rocket League would have been my game of 2015. That's just putting that out there straight away. Um, and, you know, if I could make this my Game of the Year every other year up until Cuphead was released, I'd probably have done the same for there as well. Um, I fucking love this game and it's one of the few instances where the term or the idea of games as a live service doesn't offend me outright. Um, partially because this is a happy accident and I'm sure was never meant to be, uh, you know, a kind of games as a live service. Um, I'm going to start usually as the way we do with these things. I want to come to you first and I want to see kind of where your introduction to Rocket League was and your kind of experience and, and time spent with this game. I think Rocket League and it's, you know, at the end of this feature, we usually do the, uh, we do the elevator pitch for Rocket League. Rocket League is one of those games where you just need to fucking see it. Like, I could explain to you like how it works and what it is and you know we've all seen the top gear where they've got like Toyota Igos or whatever and they're trying to hit a, a ball into a goal or whatever and it it kind of is a bit clunky or whatever but if you see Rocket League for about a minute you will want to play Rocket League and if you play Rocket League for about 5 minutes you want to play Rocket League forever and ever because it's just fantastically fun to play it's such a simple concept you've got remote control cars you've got like a gigantic ball and you're playing football essentially and that's it and it is so ridiculously fun and it's so hard to really quantify in words why it's so satisfying and great to play but it just is right like it's just brilliant rocket league <laughs> it's it grew out of like a real passion project and all of the things that that are great in in the world tend to grow out of just a bunch of people who've got an idea and they really believe in it and they're willing to bend over backwards to get to the point where it's conceived like there's an excellent no clip documentary about how like rocket league started its life as you know, gradually through Unreal Tournament and Unreal Engine mods before they they brought out a game in, in, in the PS3 and it was called, like, Super Attack... What, like, what's it called? Supersonic Aerobatic Rocket Powered Battle Cars. Yeah, that's it. Like, um, which which is a thing they said they stole from a Conan O'Brien bit because um, that sounds very much like, you know, <laughs> if you've seen the monorail episode of The Simpsons, which Conan O'Brien wrote, is like... You know, it's an automatic monorail, like whatever that is that like he rules off. And so it kind of had that feel to it. And it didn't really work because uh, it didn't really have an audience and it just was sort of released quietly. And so into the idea were they that these guys that like once their studio started taking off, they just carried on working on it like on the side. And they worked on so many mainstream games over the years, Psionics. They're involved in like Gears of War and Mass Effect and all sorts of stuff. But 
while that was going, they were just kind of spinning the Rocket League plate over on one side, and dudes were like taking bits of it home over the weekend and working on it in their spare time. And it's just the idea, like, if you notice, Mark, like the last three or four like massive video game sensations have been like, here's a game for nothing, go and play it. So like that was at Fortnite. Here's a game, go play it. Like Pokemon Go, here's a game, it's free, go play it. And then people able to access that. So the the absolute masterstroke of once they got the product to a really good place and they're like, right, here's PlayStation Plus with the biggest user ga- user base of any of the consoles. Here it is for free. Go play this thing. Go download it. And then it just takes off. And then putting it on Steam as well and, and having the PC crowd kind of influenced by the PlayStation crowd to be able to actually buy the game for money meant that pretty much I would imagine Psionics <laughs> or no one at Psionics ever really does need to work again just because of the sheer amount of money and awesomeness that this thing has developed, right? Yeah, uh, you mentioned it there a minute ago. Uh, I do definitely, th- I definitely recommend if you haven't seen it, the the no clip uh, documentary. It's a two parter about the development of um, of Rocket League, and to just kind of go back a little bit there about. Uh, so it was it was Dave Hagewood who uh, was working with uh, for Epic, and they'd been working, you know, doing work on Unreal Tournament two thousand and three. And uh, expanded a, a, a vehicle-based gameplay mode called Onslaught, and it, you know, just went from there, just kind of fucking around with different types of mods, and and playing around with with cars and stuff within that engine. Uh, and then he went off to to create his own team called Psionics, and you know, hired a bunch of interns because it was pretty much all he could do at the time. And you know, one of the interesting things he talks about is like you know the the balance of. Um, you know, some studios, smaller studios, they go just all for contract work. But if you do that, you you know you don't have time to make the passion projects in the games you really want to make. And if you go too much in the other direction, you just run out of money because you know it, it takes usually a couple of games to you know hit that kind of that game that is your passion project, but actually is a success and is going to take you make you money. Yeah. And um, that's it. It's the spinning plates thing. Yeah. It's like. You, you just got to keep over to one side while you're doing the things that keep greasing the wheels of your studio. You just got to keep it spinning. And like, I'd never, I'd never even heard of uh, supersonic aerobatic rocket powered battle cars. Um, I, you know, I wasn't aware it was on the PS3. I just, I'd never heard of it. Nor would you remember the title if you heard oh, of it. Of course you'd, not, no. You'd f- fuck it up with it. I, I couldn't remember it. And I, and I looked it up about an hour before we started recording this. Like in terms of SEO, you know, like names you want for that. It's just, it's fucking horrendous. Yeah. You can't even hashtag it. Like what the fuck? Yeah. So, uh, you know, rocket league is very much more kind of streamlined and, and whatever else. And, I just remember that, you know, the the game just kind of popped up on on PS Plus, um, and I was like, well, "What the hell was this?" And you know, I looked up some videos and I looked up a little bit about it, and I was like, "Huh, so you know, it's it's football but with RC cars. Cool, that looks like something I want to play." And I just jumped right in, and it it's very much the 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 old cliche is like it's it's easy to pick up and it's hard to master. And Rocket League is very very easy to pick up. You know, it's just you go forward, you reverse, you boost, you jump, you hit the ball, and you score it in the other goal. Um, but you know, over the years of watching other people play Rocket League and the sort of trick shots that I see, the sort of saves that I see with people flinging themselves across the map 
to you know uh, clear a ball off the goal line. Um, it's it's one of the few games where like I don't have the slightest bit of interest in esports, but you know this is the kind of game I would watch because I mean you know, it's it's halfway to being football, and you know I'm fucking I watch football, so it's you know. Um, but chaos though. Oh, it's chaos. Like, yeah, it's complete chaos. Yeah, like there's skill to it, but there are they've got the perfect blend of and and it's it's in the documentary where they're talking about like. You know, we didn't want to make like the corners of it too rigid and the bounces be too unpredictable. But at the same time, there is an element of absolute randomness. So like two cars colliding together and just a ball flying off at a random pace with like weird spin and all sorts of it. Like the physics of this game are unbelievable, don't you think? Oh, yeah. It's like it's kind of floaty, I guess. Um, you know, you really can fling in the air for quite a while, and it's it kind of reminds me back to um, when I played. There's the actual Destruction Derby mode in Destruction Derby, and the first map you um, you can kind of you all slant down, or no, it's not the first map. Maybe it's in Destruction Derby too. But there's a map where um, you're all in a ring, and you're all kind of facing each other, and you all kind of drive towards the center, and then it actually goes up uh, like a small ramp. So as everyone kind of goes and hits the ramp, they all kind of go flying up in the air and just, you, you know, you fly in the air for a minute or so. Um, and Rocket League is that, but just over and over and over again. And at some point you might score a goal as well. Um, and obviously the more cars, the more you have in there, the more chaotic uh, it is. And uh, as, as fun as playing one-on-one uh, Rocket League is, I, I always just go for three-on-three. Three three. Because uh, it's just it's the right level of chaos yeah. that you know you can actually kind of like have. Okay, I will play in attack. I will be sort of more defence. You know, I'll kind of be uh, sort of sweep a goalkeeper and come out every now and again. And you know, you can actually have some sort of formation. <laughs> yeah, like tactics. I'd love, by the way, like if they do like a Rocket League two or like a, an extension at some point or something really cool. If you could have like a gigantic arena and a genuine eleven versus eleven Rocket League like how insane that could be yep i'd like that i'd like that actually (laughs) (laughs) but then like with it it's quite more rigid on like positionality as well so like you could have a mode where it's chaos and everyone could just go and fly but then like it'd be cool if you had your own section that you had to defend or whatever or like you had like you, if you def- agreed to play in defence, like you can't go past the halfway line. If you agreed to play in midfield, you can stick to like the middle third. If you agreed to play up front, like you can't come back to help your team. It's kind of like foosball to a degree, you know. You're stuck yes, to one. yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a, I mean, how? That's the thing with this. Like, it's such a simple idea, and it's like, and and the way that they've set it up, but you can do so much with it. Like you mentioned the hockey and the basketball modes, which are, I don't know if you've played either of those, but they're both really fucking cool as well. Like the, the the hockey thing is cool because it, it's kind of like Rocket League for beginners in the sense that you don't have the crazy ball physics of stuff flying up in the air and the puck tends to be a lot more on the ground. So it's a lot more about like your, your straight driving and, and, and getting things right there. And then the basketball is like, you know, t- timing like how you hit the ball and at what point in the flight so you can get that spin and that loop to get it into the basket. And uh, they're both really satisfying to do and there's just so many little bits and pieces that, that they've added and, and gradually tweaked in this game that just makes the whole thing 
really really fun yeah i mean have you spent much time with either the the basketball or the uh the ice hockey did i spend much time with it not really but i played both of the modes and i really like both of the modes i prefer the hockey mode like as i say because it's almost like it's a good introduction even though like it's not the the actual game it's just the idea of it is is pretty cool because the physics or whatever are a bit flatter and it makes it easier um but i mean nothing will be the original just the, the thing that i like everything about it from from playing it obviously is fun as as we've mentioned but don't you think they just got everything right with the aesthetic of the game so like you know like the menus with like the the sort of futuristic dance and like the levels like especially like the tokyo level that's all kind of like future neo cyberpunky kind of weirdness and like how slick and easy everything is the fact that you you can see your car like the whole time you're doing it and it's really easy to like customize it and just to just get straight into the game i just think it's everything about it is simplicity but just executed to like a, a level which is just elite basically yeah and i think something that i wanted to, to talk to you about like do you find it interesting because you made the point there that you know they did pretty much just they got everything right about this game and uh we're you know four or five years on from the release of that game and i don't see any signs of them making a sequel anytime soon and i just you know do you think they ever need to make a sequel for this game here's what they do right i mean we've, we've had a five years and we have Rocket League in its current format and lots of people still play it. They still have lots of active users because I think it's just such a, like, it's such a great thing to play with your friends as well. Like, even if you're playing offline, it's a lot of fun. But can you just imagine, like, E3, like, in a few years' time, like, whatever, if, if whatever format Psionics are in at that point, whoever their allegiance is with or whatever, you just imagine, like, at the end of a press conference and they're like, oh, um, this as well and there's like a trailer for a new version of, of rocket league or like whatever the sequel like people would lose their damn minds and it would be incredibly successful if they did a, a follow-up to this game because it just captured people's hearts and minds in a way that you know like i say you only see it with and it, it's not to the same extent of like a, a Pokemon Go or a, or a Fortnite, obviously, because it didn't have the same global impact. But this is one for like the gamers, almost like it for people that just love video games. Nobody I've ever heard is sort of like who's a genuine fan of video games has ever got off oh, Rocket League. I can't be bothered with that. It just captured people's hearts and minds so easily right from the start. And yeah, it, if they did do a follow-up market and they like unveiled it in a really cool way, then yeah, it, it would make all of the money. And one of the other things about Rocket League as well, uh, outside of the game itself, is that it's one of the first games where uh, cross-platform um, became, uh, you know, a feature that yeah. has seen. Uh, you know, other games of this, uh, just other games that you know have multiplayer features that players and gamers have like been you know wanting cross-platform play um and you know first of all it was between you know personal computers and consoles and then there was the whole thing with uh playstation and, and xbox and switch and everything else and um you know that 
that in itself makes Rocket League a, a massively influential game is the the kind of bringing together of these platforms to allow uh, players to play against other players on different platforms and I think that that's you know, it's it's an incredible thing it's a brilliant thing and it's one of the things that I help I do think keeps the longevity of Rocket League going and keeping it as popular as it is that um, you know just being able to play against people on other platforms means that there's you know just more people to play against yeah I think it'd be really important for them as well like if they did a Rocket League follow-up to get iOS to get Android and stuff on board as well because to me like they have like 20 odd million people that downloaded it on PlayStation and then all of the Steam users as well but if you add smartphones into that and like when Rocket League then a new Rocket League might come out if you just said right yeah that's free to play for everyone it, it could have the same sort of penetration as, as a Fortnite I think uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, is there, is there anything, and, you know, obviously as well with that, um, Rocket League became a massive esports game, um, you know, anything that, that picks up and, and has a, a kind of massive multiplayer visual aspect to it ends up doing something when it comes to esports, and uh, Sionix themselves, they observe the popularity of Rocket League, uh, matches on Twitch TV and other live streaming platforms, and uh, it was in Feb 2016 that they were looking to use the game more in, in esports. Uh, in March 2016, Sinex themselves, they announced the first Rocket League Championship Series, uh, with the finals taking place in August 2016, with a prize pool of $55,000. Uh, more than $1 million in revenues from the uh, sales of in-game crates and cosmetic items were used to fund additional competitive events throughout the year, including smaller competitions at major gaming conventions and support for community-run uh, competitive events and it's just you know exploded since then and um you know it's it's not something that i i say that i kind of keep up to track with uh, up to date with but you know of the types of esports that i do watch you know i do watch a little bit of evo i will watch um esports for for rocket league as well because it's just it's one of those games that is genuinely enjoyable to watch other people play and you know whenever you see some mad trick shot or, or save uh it's yeah it's just one of those games that's it's very gifable and it's just it's very easy to sit down and watch other people play it yeah i mean it, it it's the the chaos element of anything can happen at any time like if i'm watching people play like a shooter or whatever esports i'm just i find it kind of dull because i'm like oh well yeah like this person got that person because of that whereas rocket league there is the element that anybody on any day can get anyone else on it like if you've got three absolute elite rocket league players and you've got three people that play the game regularly but they're good but they might not be as good as them like they could still beat them at it like it, there is that thing of like a bounce of a ball here or like you know that person didn't defend that or whatever uh it's the the old sort of fa cup football cliche if you know like anyone on any given pitch or whatever could, could be another team so that's what i like about it as well like there's no guarantees no matter how good you are that you're gonna end up winning the game yeah i i've definitely um i had a time when i was playing rocket league i'd say for about five or six months and it was other than playing uh arkham knight it was it was the only game I was playing, so I was playing a lot of Rocket League, and 
I wouldn't say I was in any kind of position where I could have got into esports, but I was I was pretty good, and I could um, I could hold my own, and I could do some trick shots, and I could you know score some pretty good goals. But even with that, you know, depending on who you're playing with, um, you could definitely you know run into a funk of losing five or six games in a row, um, or, or winning five or six games in a row. And it's just it it was very hard to uh, kind of keep any kind of consistency unless you were just playing on your own. But I just I never found Rocket League to be a game that I enjoyed playing on my own. I always wanted to play in in the groups of six or so just for the chaos of it, you know? Yeah, that's right. It's it's much more fun. And there's not many video games that I have in my library that I prefer to play online with loads of people. I'm very much a insular gamer of like I like, you know, having a, a critical path of a game to follow and I'm not really not really a massive fan of like the MMO style or like the online shooter, but Rocket League my god it's just a hell of a lot more fun to play with a bunch of random people from the internet that you have no idea who they are there's not really any identifiers in the game you can send like weird messages to each other but you know for that for that like 12 minutes or whatever that i'm playing those are my bros and we're gonna defend our goal with our lives and try and take the other team down i love that it's a great community game brings people together uh, Jack, I am going to give you the floor to do the elevator pitch for Rocket League. It's so hard, this. It really is really difficult to do an elevator pitch for Rocket League. Right. Rocket League. I mean, I, I don't even know where to start. Rocket League is football with cars in the future, but it's absolute cra- craziness. It's chaos. It's fun. Go watch it. Go find it. Go play it. Go find six people to play it with and just bask in the glory of an extremely simple concept, extremely well executed by a fantastic games company. There you go. That's, yep, that's, that, that works for me. Um, yeah, so I guess that is, we have reached the end of this particular episode of A Link to the Cast. Uh, Jack, I'd like to thank you as always for coming on and steering the ship in the right direction, uh, which is it being recorded and not just me sitting here on my own doing this. Uh, we have a bunch of other podcasts that sometimes appear, but they haven't for a while, uh, including the, the Popcorn Social and the Grap Up, which, not that we're going to make the announcement just yet, but we do have a plan in place for the Grap Up uh, where we're going to do a, a special episode. Uh, probably kind of towards the latter end of the year, but it's uh, something that myself, Jack, and Dave have been talking about, and I'm pretty excited about, so we'll probably give more details about that uh, sometime soon in in the near future. Um, But, you know, you've got those, and Dave obviously is busy with Days of Thunder, and that's doing very well, so you should go and listen to that. And yeah, as always, you can find us on the likes of Spotify and Stitcher and uh, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And uh, Jack, we should do this again next week. How does that sound? Yeah, I, I feel like we should keep this going. I've been on a podcast and I haven't managed to sync it yet. So <laughs> all good. Well, we laid down a pretty good solid foundation. So that's always as positive. Yeah, I just don't want to be like the underdog though, like blow up the Peach's Castle that is this podcast. Well, I'm the platformer prodigy, so I'll just do 100 levels and, you know, get us back to where we were before. 
<laughs> and that will be complete sometime in 3008. So until next time, I have been Mark Robinson. This has been Links to the Cast, and we will see you again next week. <laughs>